0: Welcome to the latest Coda Plugging Away podcast. I'm Francis Norman, and I have the absolute pleasure of being the CEO of Coda. In this episode, we wanted to get the Coda team together to reflect on 2023, talk about some of the things coming up in 2024. 2023 was a huge year for Coda, and we're expecting 2024 to be quite similar with a number of major deliverables and activities we're keen to share. So to kick things off, I'd like to introduce Coda's General Manager, Sean Sadler. Sean, you've spent a lot of time working with members of the service sector as they're preparing for and executing pieces of decommissioning work here. Are there any reflections from 2023 that really stand out for you? Thanks,
1: Francis. I think there are a couple of ways in which we've seen the Supply Chain Partnership Program really come to life this year. Um, Firstly, through our partners looking to proactively use their Coda relationship to progress specific, tangible activities and engagements. And examples of things like that include working with Coda on the development of flyers or information packs, that can be used to clearly communicate both their clients and the broader industry the value and impact of the work they're doing and their particular discriminated capabilities in each case. What we've also seen people using Coda to do is better enable engagement with other stakeholder groups such as operators and regulators, and this is great. This is what Coda wants to see our partners doing, really leveraging Coda's position as a, as a conduit into those key stakeholder groups. But what we've also seen this year um, is both operators and service sector partners starting to come to Coda uh, looking for connections and solutions. And this is a really exciting development. We're starting to see operators with a particular or specific need come to Coda for recommendations as to who is best placed to service those requirements. And of course, we're more than happy to go straight to our amazing partner base uh, in order to make those recommendations. We've also had service sector partners using Coda to identify and access materials they might need for, for testing capability development. And we've been happy to sort of leverage our operator contacts to at least see if there's an opportunity for them to help in that space. And I think that... That speaks to a growing trust that uh, Coda can deliver these connections, and I think it also speaks to the increasing recognition of what we might call Coder added
0: value. Awesome! It's been uh, it's been been really good to watch all that sort of unfold as the year has gone on. So as well as obviously working with the service sector, you've been very heavily involved with the operators. Can you tell us a bit about how that's been going as well?
1: Sure. I think this this has been the year in which we've, we've really defined and landed the structure and, and the operating model for, for what we now call the Operator Work Programme. Uh, throughout the year, we've successfully engaged a group of six operators uh, who have shown willingness and commitment to come on this journey with us uh, and to take the opportunity to understand the value of, Of the deep collaboration environment that that code is going to create for them. Uh, Now, we've really started to position this group around its key priorities for both the regulator engagement and work group elements of this program. But I think reflecting on on the key change we made in, in 2023, I think we moved this concept from a one size fits all arrangement in which every operator had to be involved in every activity to a position of far greater flexibility and adaptability. What we see now is a program in which either individual organizations or operator subgroups can potentially explore and pursue their specific priorities, without having to commit time and resources to other activities, which might be much less relevant to them, and I think that change has been really key to unlocking Codas' engagement with this group. And I, I also really want to acknowledge the patience and ongoing commitment of the operator group.
0: Yeah, and that that collaborative approach has been, you know, it's it, it's so good to see as it's as it's been coming through. No, brilliant. And then, of course, there's the regulators, and most notably. Obviously, for us in Australia, when people, particularly when they look to Australia from overseas, that means Nopsema, the you know the offshore regulator. They've been on quite a journey themselves as well, and uh, and I know you've had a lot of conversations with them over the year. You know, how are things going with them? Yeah, I think
1: I think Codas worked really hard this year to establish a you know strong and trusted relationship with regulators, particularly Nopsema. They're a really critical part of the stakeholder group, and uh, I think it's really pleasing to see that even in the midst of The the many, at times quite confronting, challenges that they've had to deal with this year. Upsema continue not just to recognise the importance of the code relationship, but they're they're even prioritising it. They're actively pursuing it. And I think that, that speaks volumes to, to the, the nature of the relationship that we've built. This year, we got the chance to really test the water with them around the potential for Coda to effectively facilitate meaningful discussions with Nopsema uh, that, that actually lead to a tangible actions and outcomes. And I think both, both of us found that that works really well. We can actually do this uh, to the degree that we're now thinking about collaborating on a, a series of industry regulator workshops in 2024. So you can see how far that relationship has progressed over the year. And uh, I think that's that's a really positive outcome. And, uh, you know, we're looking forward very much to sort of moving that to the next level in, in, in 2024.
0: Awesome. Thank you. Thank you very much, Sean, for those reflections.
1: So, Francis, from from your position as the the CEO and managing director of Coda, interesting to look back over what's been a, a very full year. Uh, obviously, Coda's undertaken a, a number of core activities, and, and there's been numerous highlights in 2023. But one of the things I was going to ask you to sort of reflect on a little is is one of the, a really foundational piece of work that was undertaken this year, looking at the uh, the possibilities for a WA-based decommissioning hub. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about that process and, and where we're up to with it.
0: Absolutely. Yes. So this, this as you say, this was one of our major pieces of work for, for the last 12 months. Um, it was funded through the support that we get through the Western Australian government, through the uh, financial assistance agreement grant that uh, that they have been incredibly engaged and generous with us to, to provide us. What we wanted to do was to look at all of the potential locations where Decommissioned material could be landed for either onward transport or dismantling in situ across the across the coast. So we we went out at the beginning of 2023. We went out. We engaged with with Kent to execute this work for us. They did. Um, they did first off some really sort of high level benchmarking to see just how many hubs and how many ports we have in Western Australia. And um, surprising to me, they've got 32 different ports that they that they looked at. Now some of these are in completely the wrong location. Some of these are just totally unsuitable for any decommissioning works. But what they what they landed on was a small number. Then that they went and did a much deeper dive on to to come up with some recommendations around the kinds of work that some of these facilities could execute and could execute either straight away or could execute into the future as 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 as, as the ports themselves evolve. Um, they. Engaged extensively in the process, this book with pretty well all of the port operators, this book with the with the operating companies who have the assets that would be coming through these ports, this book with the with also with the companies that will be using these ports to actually execute the decommissioning and dismantling works as well, as well as with sort of state government, with federal government, and and so forth as well. And the re, the resulting document actually is a really really comprehensive review of the capability of pretty well all the ports in the state. We're aiming for this document to be released sort of toward the end of February um, this year in 2024 and uh, very much look forward to it getting out there and being viewed. One of the other interesting things that they considered as well was the intersection with wind. So the offshore wind sector in Australia is very, very much in its in its sort of incubation period. Uh, we don't actually have any committed projects yet in the offshore wind anywhere in the country, but we're very conscious and we were very conscious in commissioning this work that that these sorts of facilities are country national strategic assets that should be capable of, of handling Materials and different types of work and different type of projects, and it's been really interesting just to see that intersection with the wind um, requirements in there as well. Um, so yeah, I won't, I won't talk too much more about it because I want to keep a little bit of excitement for when the when the report itself actually gets released. But watch this space essentially till end of February, the report will be out there and it'll be uh, it'll be out for people to review. Um, we're about also to engage with. Kent, to do a similar piece of work to look at the northern territory and also to look at the south coast of australia as well just to just to really see what the whole picture is for the whole country
1: yeah i think it's uh you know it's a really exciting uh, and as i say foundational piece of work that coda has become known for and i know that uh, you know people not only in the industry but uh, throughout the communities in which we operate are going to be really interested to see the outcomes of that study so one of the other things that uh, code has been heavily involved in throughout twenty twenty three is uh, developing and delivering some key events in the, in the decommissioning calendar, um, particularly uh, Codas involvement in AOG Energy and uh, the decommissioning and abandonment conference, which took place in May. So any reflections from you on in terms of the the overall impact of of those events and yeah. and, and how we played into them? Sure. Look
0: um, for me. If I was to reflect on them from from uh, from first off from why we do them, and then secondly from the value and from what we saw from them, your know, why we do them is very much to showcase the opportunities and the growing capability in the decommissioning space within Australia. So being at these events, um, AOG is a long-running event in Australia, in Western Australia, that has. That really brings together a lot of the service sector and has some very good key critical discussions and then the decommissioning and abandonment conference which was held in May is a specific sort of DNA focused event but the AOG experience for us this year was I've referred to it to a lot of people as very much our sort of coming out party, if you like. It was it was the first time we'd had a significant stand at any event anywhere, and it was absolutely amazing just to see how much activity and how much interest there was in the industry that was funneled through our stand. I mean we it was a 3 day event and we were just run off our feet from when the doors opened until the doors closed at the end of the third day. So in that regard that was that was phenomenal. And then the DNA conference itself this was the second time it had been run. The first time it was the very first event of its kind held in Perth as the borders opened from covid. And the organisers had hoped for around about 50 people and they got 70-ish people. This year, 2023, we had 270-plus delegates attended the conference. The people were registering right up until the doors opened to, to come along. It was two days of phenomenal, amazing discussions around where the industry is going, where the industry has been, and some phenomenal showcases from the operators and from some of the service sector as well in terms of starting to see case studies starting to see actual outcomes from real work which is which is really reflective not just of the fact that the work is happening but also that the organizations who are involved in these are now confident enough and comfortable enough to talk about their experiences both good and bad in a in a public forum so phenomenal um, events and and absolutely massive events for our uh, for our stakeholders
1: Yeah, I think uh, all of us in Coda who've who've had the pleasure of actually being involved in in delivering those events that, uh, you know, we've all experienced the energy that's grown up around what we are doing. Um, I did talk a little bit around the sort of growth and diversification of the, the partner community that we've seen throughout the year which has in itself been pretty amazing um but this year we've also seen the formal launch of the the partner portal and uh, the capability index and and the, the technology roadmap as key platforms for for coder to communicate and interface into the industry to what degree do you think that that's really you know moved coder into a different space for for engaging with our, our customers and partners
0: yeah that's a, that's a super question um sean the when we when we first got started with with Coda a couple of years ago, we very very quickly realised um, that Coda needed to be in many ways digital first for a lot of our offerings. You know, we work in an enorm we work on a continent as far as our own deliverables go, and it's just it's impossible for us to be everywhere physically everywhere with everybody all the time. So we really needed to be very much in that digital well well put together well supported full of information digital platform so the concepts of the partner portal the capability index and the technology roadmap were something which were which were absolutely integral to us in the, in that development sadly frustratingly these things take time to develop and the the partner portal took a little while to get uh, to get built but um, but I'm absolutely delighted with what it offers now that that for partners to be able to log in and self service access to reports to databases and so forth and to do it in their own time in their own way spread across their members across their staff so the partner portal login is if you're a partner organization you get login for multiple members of your staff to be able to just go in and if they need to if they need to access the best practice database they can log in themselves go straight to the things that they're interested in and, and access and and review those things and that accessibility has always been key for us to be able to build the capability and build the knowledge across the industry the capability index is is critical in as much as it's showing to customers to partners to to and to suppliers who's got what services and who's got what capability out there and this is We built a lot of this stuff to be accessible for and by the Australian industry, but of course, decommissioning is a global industry. So we're finding, I'm having conversations with companies from all around the world who themselves are looking at our capability index and saying, oh, there's a company here, there's a company in Australia, there's a UK company that's got an Australian footprint, there's a, a, a Norwegian company with an Australian footprint and so forth that has a service that I want. They can now find those straight through this index. So I think for some of these companies, now they're, sta- they're, they're looking at the capability index as their first port of call when they're looking to see what services they need to access for their particular piece of work. And then the technology roadmap was uh, was sort of the, the final piece in the puzzle for the roadmap study that we did during 2022. And this is an, an online sort of hierarchical structure where you can work through the work breakdown structure and then you can click into that and you can see oh what technologies are coming along in the next five 10 15 years to serve the industry so it it lets people now as they're looking out into the future see where the opportunities are and it lets them see where the gaps are if maybe you're a technology business and you're you're in a particular space you might think oh' well, I'll, I'll look and see what, what you know do I can I develop a solution in this space so for us it's moved us from being a purely transactional organization to being part of the strategic landscape of the industry for a lot of different parts that are in there, for the research community, for the operators, for the clients, um, for government as well, to be able to just get in there as and when they need in ways that suit them to be able to see what's going on and to be able to engage more broadly. It's 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 a really transformational opportunity for us and something that we will keep We'll keep building on it as time goes by. We'll be adding new features um, as uh, as the years progress. So it's it's an incredible development for us and a really big piece from uh, from 2023.
1: Thanks. There's some really interesting re- uh, reflections. It's certainly been been a, a significant step change for us, and it really is only going to grow out from here. Um, so finally, it's. It's been an interesting, and challenging year at times for the, for the industry in general. This is a bit more of an open-ended question, I guess. But welcome any, any reflections on, on some of those challenges that we've seen in the industry, some of the progress that we've seen around projects in the industry, um, and also anything to do with uh, your thoughts on the Commonwealth government, for example, having commitment to developing a, a roadmap for decommissioning.
0: Yeah, you're dead right. 2023 has been an amazing year for execution, for challenges, and for, for some major strategic commitments as well. Um in an execution perspective, we've seen a couple of really large projects being awarded. Um, Woodside had one in in the middle of the year that they've they've awarded, which is starting now to, to flow through with the with the R T M coming out from the Nangara facility, um, and that's going to that's going to be an ongoing piece of work. Not just the the R T M, but that whole scope of work is going to run for the next couple of years as as equipment gets removed. Similarly with the Pilgon abandonment program that's been running through the Bass Strait uh, that so have been driving and uh, and the arrival of the Q 7000 recently to to be a part of that as it finished its work in in New Zealand from the Tui project so're we're seeing, we're seeing real projects, real significant large pieces of work being awarded and beginning to be executed here and that is only going to get more. And more and more and more as twenty twenty four rolls through, there are there are several projects that we're expecting to see awarded during twenty twenty four. There are other projects that we'll see move further forwards. We're expecting, for instance, to see more possibly more awards from ESO for, um, for some of their work in the Bass Strait. Uh, we're probably going to see some progress in terms of awards, of more scopes for the Northern Endeavour that um, that the federal government are executing. And we'll start to see more work, I suspect, come through from Chevron, both for the final pieces with Devonard Island, but also for the start of the work that they've got to execute on Barrow Island with the with the Western Oil Facility. So we're, we're really getting into the delivery end of, of the work now and and that's absolutely brilliant that we've known it's been coming now we're starting to see it come but it's been against a backdrop of some very challenging issues for industry and not least of which has been around consultation there's been a couple of very high profile cases where Nopsema's decisions have been challenged in the high court and they've been and they've been essentially stopped and they've had to go back and these have been on new developments but the impact of that has been that it's slowed down the optimism, if you like, of the operators and the ability of the operators to move forward on some of their on some of their decommissioning works as well. We're starting, I hope, to see not to hear noises from government now that the that the regulations themselves around consultation are going to be clarified, which which I would welcome for for the decommissioning side of the industry. We need to have clarity. We need to have surety so that we can actually get on with the work that needs to be. Done. And on with the work that society expects um, will will progress. So it's been it's been one of those careful what you wish for things with that um, with the with the blocking on the consultation, and then the commitment that we saw middle of the year from Department of Industry, Science and Resources from DISA. Toward the development of an offshore decommissioning roadmap is something we we've welcomed enormously. Um, we've worked subsequently. We've worked very closely with the with the team in DISA doing the development of this roadmap. But this roadmap will hopefully give us a clear pathway in terms of where the federal government is headed around its support for the development of a decommissioning industry here, which fundamentally is what Coda is all about as well. So we we welcome we welcome the work they're doing and very, very much look forward to whatever the uh, outcomes from all of that are which we expect to see around about the middle of this year the middle of 2024 so yeah it's it's been interesting it's been challenging it's been fascinating it's been frustrating at times but overall we're stay we're now starting to see the literally the rubber hit the road as far as a lot of this decommissioning activity goes which is uh, which is just superb that's great great reflections again i think it's uh, indicative of uh...
1: The roller coaster of events, challenges, highs and lows that we've just come to expect as, as part of the industry. And uh, we, you know, we look forward to and embrace it uh, in
0: the future. Excellent. Thank you very much, Sean. So um, so I'd like to pass over now to Renee. So Renee Larson is the, is the Programme Director for the National Decommissioning Research Initiative, which is a, a programme we operate on behalf of the operator community. So René, um, welcome. And could you give us a little bit of, a, I guess, a little bit of reflection over the outcomes from NDRI over the, over the last 12 months?
2: Thanks, Francis. Uh, yes, I'd love to give you an update. Um, I have only been in the seat a little over four months over um, after taking on the position from Cassie Schmidt earlier in this year. So thank you, Cassie, for all the hard work um, leading into phase two. So 2023 for NDRI, and I'm looking back towards the beginning of the year, has seen the transition into phase two of the research program. On the back of a considerable amount of work delivered uh, with the support of many research partners, the industry executive committee, uh, together with the oversight of the independent scientific advisory board to ensure the structure of the program and the research proposals and outcomes were robust and, and defendable for phase one. Uh, This really culminated in a number of technical reports, numerous published journal articles and building on that knowledge base for assessing environmental impacts, risks and benefits of decommissioning options for the infrastructure. And this had a focus on understanding the potential of structures uh, left in situ on marine life. So... The close of Phase two finished up in March of this year, and earlier this year we're moving into into phase two, moving out of that focus on habitat value, ecological connectivity and and looking at uh, degradation of of materials in in the offshore environment, and moving into um, a focus on really characterising, key contaminants of concern and what that looks like over time in in terms of fate and effects as well as building robust risk assessment tools to support decision-making for title holders and, and regulators. So uh, the, the last half of 2023 has really been getting those title holders on board in the executive committee. We've, we've got the six major operators that are continuing uh, throughout phase two, which is fantastic. We've got a look ahead of, of nearly three years of, of commitment for this phase two of research uh, with the group to, to build on that knowledge base.
0: Excellent. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's rolling over quite nicely, isn't it? It's, it's, it's been really good to see NDRI you know, has reached the end of that phase one and then roll over logically into the next phase as well. You've also had, even though you've only been in the chair for a couple of months, you've had the opportunity to talk and to, to attend a couple of events and sort of join up with the regional community as well around around some of this research. Do you have any thoughts around sort of how the work that we are doing with NDRI fits in the more regional or the broader international space as well?
2: Certainly uh, it it definitely although we have a regional focus for Australia in, in terms of characterizing what's out there and and the effects of potential decommissioning options it does have broader um, global application in terms of development of guidelines for risk assessment and and potential uh, guideline values for for contaminants so we're looking to work with the international association of oil and gas producers which is IOGP really looking forward to some collaboration in 2024 to to really have an understanding of the work that they're doing globally as well as our counterparts at insight in the in the UK to really get a, a feel for the focus on non metals which is plastics and and concrete coatings and on rigid pipelines specifically for us and and just having a look at what they're doing out there in the research space and with their partners and how we can leverage off that and also complement that research as well to to begin to build a better picture of um, the long-term fate pathway and risks of non-metals in in relation to the different decommissioning options.
0: yeah, it's it's great, isn't it, to see this international collaboration around these big questions so that we you know the the whole the whole of the world, the whole of the industry gets gets to gets to gets to grow its insights and gets to grow its understanding. so we can all do it better.
2: absolutely. and and critical to this is really that, continued collaborative engagement with our research partners with our counterparts globally with our regulators uh, at Notsema and at DQ and and other areas so that we can really maintain um, that relationship and and ensure that the research remains relevant and can support really robust decision making for the title holders and the regulators at the end of the day
0: yeah and uh, yeah, that's that's what it's all about, isn't it? Getting getting good decisions to understand what we do when we get to these big question marks and in in, in the thing. Excellent, thank you.
2: Exactly, and 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 there is a there's obviously a, a paucity of data in in that contaminant space. So, I think that's going to be a focus for both. Um, our title holders and the regulators in the next 12 months and and i think we're going to see some great outcomes in this space
0: Wonderful. Thank you very much, Renee, And I'll hand back over to Sean now to, to carry the questions on.
1: Thanks, Francis. Uh, a pleasure to introduce uh, Samara Groves, um, Coda's Projects and Engagement Manager. And Samara, 2023 was the year that Coda first delivered our Introduction to Decommissioning course. Uh, and I was wondering if you could talk to us uh, through a little of that experience, the experience of doing that and uh, any reflections on how, how you think it was received.
3: Thanks, Sean. Yes, we were very pleased to launch the Introduction to Decommissioning course this year. So we recognise that there was a real need for a course like this um, in Australia and for industry. So we ran the course twice this year in both July and November here in Perth. And it's a two-day course. It's all in person. And it includes 10 modules with 15 different lectures. Um, We've been really fortunate actually to have a wonderful lineup of industry leaders, subject matter experts and academia that have developed and delivered the material for the course. And in total, we have 11 different presenters involved. So yeah, there's a really great lineup of speakers. The modules themselves are quite, there's a lot of content within the two days. So it covers everything from law and regs and the legislation through to well decommissioning, asset management, decom planning and execution. It looks at things such as cost estimation and the financial reporting side of things. And it also covers facility and subsea decom, environmental aspects, including um, environmental assessments and research. And importantly, it looks at disposal and recycling and circular economy, plus the opportunities and challenges that face Australia in the decommissioning industry as well. So we had a great cohort of attendees for both courses, and we were pleased to have a total of 62 people that actually attended over the year. And that was from all different aspects um, and parts of the industry as well, with some uh, attendees even traveling interstate for the course. And as well as being able to attend the course and, and hear from all the wonderful speakers that uh, there was also a great opportunity for the attendees to network as well so to meet other peers in the industry and also connect with the experts that delivered the content as well so we will be running the course again in 2024 we haven't released those dates yet but we will be looking to do that and In addition to running the in-person course, we've also been exploring ways in which we can turn it into an online course. We've had a lot of interest in in the course from attendees nationally and internationally. So we we really want to make sure that it is accessible. So we're looking at ways that we can do that and we will be developing something in 2024 that will be an online version of the course as well.
1: That's uh, that's really interesting, exciting development in itself, and I, I think the level of uptake has been been amazing. It just shows industry's ongoing interest and need uh, for something like this. Um, another foundational piece of work that the code has been driving this year, Samara, has focused on on skills requirements for decommissioning. Uh, So it'd be really good if you could talk a little bit more about the structure and approach and potential outcomes from that study.
3: Of course. Yeah. So this year we did undertake a skills review study. So it was a skills review study for the Australian oil and gas decommissioning industry. And the objective broadly was to identify the required skills and capabilities for the local industry to be able to undertake the current and upcoming decommissioning work and importantly within that understanding where the gaps are Um, and where the shortages are for the skills and capabilities. So we worked with Deloitte on this study, um, and there were a few different things that the study did. So firstly, it was important to identify the current and future capabilities required, so to be able to actually execute the work program. And Deloitte did that by uh, looking at the different decommissioning activities, and that was against the standardised work breakdown structure. And then once those capabilities were identified actually understanding what the skills are within those capabilities and then looking at what already exists in the Australian workforce and the Australian market and then based on those three things, so the, the capabilities, the skills and the current workforce market, conducting a gap analysis to see where we do have the skills and where we need more skills or or more capability. And the final report or study itself then proposes some solutions um, and strategies to bridge some of these gaps. So this was done through an extensive literature review but also through a lot of stakeholder consultation. And we'd like to say a massive thank you to all the stakeholders that were involved because there was a lot of support and uh, contributions from all across the industry from international experts through to the operators and service sector companies and individuals, as well as regulators um, and different industry bodies as well. So we had 24 one-on-one consultations, which was really invaluable, providing so many insights. We also did three focus groups and there was also an industry survey that went out as well. So there was a lot of great data captured from all of that. And now where the study is up to is it's finalized. We're, oh, sorry, it's finished and we're just finalizing it at the moment. So we're looking to launch that in the first quarter of 2024. And that will likely be in March.
1: Thanks, Samara. That, it, again, sounds like um, you've pushed into existence a, really, a real landmark uh, piece of work uh, of the type that code is becoming known for. Uh, really setting the benchmark for, for where we are now and, and what can be achieved in the future and, and pathways towards that. So it sounds like a really exciting outcome. Again, uh, at this stage, I'm going to turn it back to Francis uh, to, to help us close this out.
0: Yeah, thanks. Look, thanks everybody for for those reflections. I guess on on 2023. Just really quickly, as a, maybe a, a minute each or something, just to before we before we say goodbye. What are you most looking forward to? And I'll start with you with this one, Sean. What are we? What are you most looking forward to for uh, for, for the new year for twenty twenty four? I think there are two key
1: things here, Francis. Uh, one is to actually make um, the operator work program a reality and, and really uh, operationalize this deep collaboration environment um, for the the group of six operators and and any other operators that want to come in and, and join that, uh, and really progress those priority interests. Uh, and use a variety of different methodologies to explore those priorities and come out with some some novel ideas, solutions, engagements, and principles that are actually of, of, of real value to, to the people who are involved. Another thing to think about, of course, is that Coder has initiated a program to update um, Australia's um, decommissioning activity forecast or forward look. Uh, and this is a very significant undertaking. It's something that the whole of industry wants. Uh, it's something that is of significant use and value to the whole of industry. People want to know what's going to happen, when it's going to happen, what type of activities are going to be undertaken, and where. Um, so I think that's going to be a, a very major deliverable for 2024.
0: Super. Thanks, thanks, Sean. Um, yeah, it's it's already shaping up to be a big year, isn't it? Um, Samara, what about yourself? What are you looking forward to for next year? This year, sorry, for 2024?
3: I don't think I can pick just one thing either. There's a few things that I'm really looking forward to for 2024. So as mentioned earlier, just the turning the introduction to decommissioning course or a version of that into an online accessible version. I think that'll be a really important piece of work and, and the more people that can access that, the better for industry and for everyone. So really looking forward to that. And then the other thing is our involvement in AOG Energy 2024. So AOG Energy is hosted each year in Perth from at the Perth Convention Exhibition Centre, and it's the leading oil and gas and energy supply chain event. And CODA will be returning this year as the decommissioning partner or sponsor for the event. And in addition to our stand, we're also going to be coordinating and managing a a DECOM theatre. So we've put together a three-day program with some really interesting industry experts and speakers. So really looking forward to that. And AOG Energy is a free event to attend and the registrations are now open as well. So that can be um, registered for through their website.
0: Thank you, Samara. Um, Renee, as we get into 2024, from the NDRI perspective, what are you most looking forward to?
2: Thanks, Francis. Uh, um, like Sean said, it's really that collaborative piece with our research partners, with the regulators, and with our title holders to really build on that um, that research that was established in, in throughout phase one and we've got some exciting projects that are that are coming up that we'll put some proposals out for in early 2024 and unique to this next phase is really the establishment of an industry advisory group which involves regulators from across the country being involved in the development of of some of this work and in terms of providing advice in the um, development of, of some of this guidance documentation to support risk assessment and determining effective Decision making for potential contaminants and and pathways for non metals.
0: That's uh, that's a lot to get into, isn't it? Next year really is. Yeah, you know, that's 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 great. Um, and look, I guess from my side, I mean, there's a lot. There's so much I'm looking forward to for 2024. I think from the industry perspective, it'll be seeing more activity it'll be seeing more projects executing more projects getting started growth in the industry growth in the sector growth in confidence here Um, seeing the release of the DISA offshore decommissioning roadmap in the middle of the year will be will be something I'm very much interested in and and looking forward to Um, from our own side of things operationalizing some of the outputs from some of the work that we've done over the last 12 months so working with working with industry around the establishment of the of the facilities to to execute the work and working with the broader industry as well around this disposal and recycling making sure that as much of the material that gets removed through the decommissioning activity finds a next life that it finds a home in in some form of you know being, becoming an input material to to another manufacturing process, whether that be domestically within Australia or whether that be somewhere else around uh, you know around the region or around the world. Um, there's so many valuable materials that are going to come out as part of all of this lot. And then finally, I think uh, the, the one other thing I'm looking forward to seeing next year will be bringing, bringing our technology development, uh, discovery program, sorry, to, to life. Um, we're not exactly sure yet what this is going to look like, but um, it'll start to take shape in the next few months. And this is really intended to be a way where we can start to define some of the new solutions to some of the questions that maybe have been sitting on people's desks or sitting on people's lists for a while of things they would like to be able to do differently find an alternate technology solution to or so forth as we as we go forward but overall really i think i'm looking forward to it being a year of of safe and efficient execution of decommissioning activities around the country around the region around the world um and seeing just more and more more of the of the amazing work from right across the ecosystem we work with start to start to come to fruition so um so, yeah, look, I'd like to wish everybody a, a safe and, and healthy 2024. Um, you know where to find us. If you found the podcast, you know where to find Coda, you know where to find NDRI. And uh, and to the team, look, just um, hang in there and let's, uh, let's have a lot of fun as we get through all this delivery going forward. Thank you.